Welcome to Restoration City Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed by this message. Man, I'm going to share um, for time. I want to get into the Word of God. I'm, I want to share still from the book of Ephesians. So if, so if you can turn your Bibles with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to read from the um, English Standard Version Bible. And I'm going to read from verse Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to go from verse 15 to the end. From verse 15 to the end. Ephesians chapter chapter 1 from verse 15 to the end it says for this reason because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance, in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rulers and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And we say amen to the reading of the word of God. The context of Paul, this is Paul's letter that he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And as I made mention that he really wants the church to understand God in the perspective of the purpose of the church, the plan of the church, and the provisions that God has made for the church and he's really drawn our attention because as we shared before in order to access the blessings that God has for us that can only come through Christ Jesus and he's making that known but he 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 makes mention of the church here in Ephesus that he admires them for two things He admires them for their faith, that they are a people who believed in the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that through Jesus comes salvation. So he commends them for their faith. He also commends them because it was quite evident that they were 
they manifested the fruits of love that was visible amongst the saints. So he was commending them for their faith and he was commending them for their love. This is something that should be evident in the church. The church should be a church of faith and the church should be a church of love. Love is not just what you say, is the action, is what you see manifested. And so he commends them for that. But he then takes it further and is him sharing like you will say, I'm thinking of you. He's, he's writing this letter say, I'm thinking of you. But he takes it further in just saying, not just I want you to, that is known of your faith and your love, but one of the things that Paul wanted them to get and grasp was the importance of growing in God and their spiritual growth. And he turns this into a prayer. And it's quite powerful. It's good when you can hear when great men pray. When you can hear great men pray, it's a powerful thing. I remember as a child, you know Joseph who used, who, who's here? Joseph's dad used to stay at our house. His dad was a, a bishop. And Joseph's dad is, is a renowned bishop. Very, very powerful, powerful man. And I was very young and I would, I would be so nosy that I would be in the front room when he was studying. And I, I, my mom would allow me to be there, but I wasn't allowed to say anything. I had to be quiet as a mouse. And anyone who knows me, I ain't quiet. But I would listen to his prayer because there was something about watching the men of God move and their prayer. Because there's prayers which we pray in front of people and there's prayers which you pray when you're by yourself. And, and so what we get is an insight into Paul praying for the church. Because we all should be praying for RCC, amen? We should be praying for our church. I just need to turn this off just a second because it's going to be on the recording. Don't worry, we can open the back door. If, if it gets hot, we can open the back door and let some air in. And, and so part of what Paul's heart is, is praying... And he's praying for the growth of the church. And he prays, and, and in, in the translation, in, in uh, Amplified Translation, it says, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know God through his son. So he was saying, I'm praying that the church will come to a place that they know God. And Paul felt that this was one of the most important thing for a believer to come to a place where you not just know about God, but you know God. You, you know God... Paul was one who was, he, when Paul was talking to the church in, Philipp, in Philippi, he makes mention of how important it is. Because he himself said, that I may know him. That I may know him. 
after all that he has done, all the, the letters he has writing, written, the deep revelations and everything that Paul has, his missionary journey, the miracles, the healings, all that, he still comes to a point and he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. It was important for him what he was saying, that the church comes to a place of knowing God. Because there's one thing about knowing about someone or something, and there's something completely different when you get to know somebody. Not just about them, but you get to know them in a way that is deep. He's talking about a deep relationship with God. And how do we get to this place where we have this deep relationship with God? Because that's what is important for the church. It's more than just coming to the church. You've got to understand, coming to the church is one part. But there are people who can come to the church who does not know God. They know about God. But they haven't got to a place where they've de- developed a deep relationship with God. And so Paul is saying, I- I'm praying that you will come to know God in a close and intimate way. Like how a man would know a woman. There's when, when a man knows a woman, he knows you study your wife, you study everything, just to look. You, you, you know when they say something, you know what, what their heart is. Because it's not just what someone says, you have to know the spirit of what they're saying. And, and you get to really know a person, you really get to know them on an intimate level. That's what Paul was saying. I want the church, I know I hear about your faith and I commend you for that. I hear about your love and I commend you for that. But I want to take you to the next level. I've got to take you to the next level. And that's what we've got to be preaching because sometimes in our preaching, it's motivational. Is motivational and we are moved emotionally and motivational. But when you finish, do you know God? Because when you get tested, when you've gone through some hard stuff, is the question of whether you know about Him or you know Him. And that's what makes the difference. What will cause you whether to stay in the kingdom or leave is the difference between whether you know about Him or you know Him. And so many people are are lost in that. And he's praying that they would experience God in such a way that it comes in line with God's will and God's plan for them. So we can know many things. But Paul was saying, I'm praying that you will grow deeper in your faith. That we must know God Not just merely with an intellectual perspective, but that we walk in a deep relationship with him. Where we say, you can't make me doubt him because I know too much. I just know too much. I I, I don't put up with no foolishness because I know too much because there's people who will try to shift you and say well God said and God said and God told me but when you know him you know when people's chatting foolishness and so I can challenge people I don't mind challenging people even though you said God said I can I can tell you if he did 
And there's times when I'll challenge people and they'll say, you can't tell me. This. No, because I, I know God. I, I, I know God because that was one of my prayers that I prayed. Being raised in church. Raised in church. But you get to a point where you're just saying, that's not enough. It really is not enough. You've got, and I remember there was a retreat and I, I, I couldn't get to the retreat. And I was in a little, my, my little front room at Paulson's Road. And I cried out to God because I wanted something deeper. I wanted something deeper. I wanted to go to the next level. And going to the next level was not enough for me to know about him. I can't just sing about him. I can't just pray about him. I wanted to get to know him. I wanted, and I remember saying that to the Lord, I don't want to just read about you and sing about you. I want to get to know you where you can't shift me. You can't move me. You become unmovable because you know God. And I remember God visiting me in that little room and it changed my life where I got to know him from spirit to spirit. But Paul says, there's a lot of prayers that are prayed. But Paul says, for you to get to know God, there is a gateway which you have to go through. And the gateway comes by way of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. It's not by our singing our songs. Singing our songs is good. It's not just by coming to church, but coming to church is good. It's taking it to the next level. Paul was saying, for you to get to a place where you know God, where he was saying, I pray, um, in verse number 17, he says, I, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a, the spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal an intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. In other words, if you truly want to know God, you can, you can only get to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. You can only get to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. And for that to happen, you need the spirit of wisdom and you need the spirit of revelation. You will not get to know God if you bypass Jesus Christ. And so you need, so Paul's praying and say, you need wisdom and you need revelation. And this wisdom and revelation will help you to understand how to move into the place where you're beginning to spiritually grow. Every believer must grow. Every believer must grow. So he prays that they will have the spirit of wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. So when you read about God and you read about his word, is how do you apply what you've read to your life? That's wisdom. Is I'm reading about God, but then how do you apply? Because there's some people who don't walk in wisdom. They've heard things being preached, but they don't have no wisdom. And so therefore, they don't apply the word to their lives. And that's why their lives, you, you meet with some people, they're always in a situation. They're so jacked up. Because they don't know how to apply the word to their lives. 
They become hearers of the word, but they don't do it. And so say, you're always in the same position. You ain't growing. You're still in a place of immaturity. Because wisdom, it takes the word and it begins to apply it to your life so I know how to live out my life. And it helps me to live a life that is righteous. I like that. Some good old-fashioned word. Righteous. The preacher on Wednesday was saying, because this new ageism type of church, we don't use righteousness anymore. We don't talk about holiness anymore. We use all different, because you know, people don't like all them words. No, we got to be righteous. Live a righteous life. Live holy. Holy. It is still the requirement. So the wisdom helps us to, because po- the Proverbs encourage us to seek wisdom. And, and wisdom is, is, is following that path of, 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 of the word. So he's praying and saying, you need to know how to have the word uh, applied to your life. But then you're also going to need to have revelation. Because there's some spiritual truth that you will not be able to work out intellectually. It comes by way of revelation. I love Isaiah because Isaiah says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, thou art a God who hides himself. That the God who makes the heaven and the earth could actually hide himself. And that's why it's, it's, like, it's like me trying to hide behind one of the, the microphone poles. And, and, you know, and say, you, could you see me? I mean, my belly's hanging out. Of course you're going to see me. It's just, it's crazy. But yet the Bible's saying that verily, verily, truly, thou art God who hides us. There's some people who can't see God. Because you can only get to know God by way of revelation. He reveals himself to you. So Paul was saying, for you to get to know God, you have to come through the way of Jesus Christ. And the gateway is through wisdom, the application of knowledge of the word, how to apply that to your life. And by revelation, by the Holy Spirit revealing himself to you. Because once you have a revelation from God, you are unmovable. If I come up in this pulpit and preach foolishness, seriously, if I come up in this pulpit and preach preach foolishness, or if I mess up completely and my lifestyle messes up completely, it will not shift you. You might be disappointed in me, but it shouldn't shift you. You shouldn't be saying, well, I ain't coming back to church because all the people in church are hypocrites. It's because you don't know God. There's a lot of people who only know their leader, but they don't know God. And so if the leader fall, they fall. Because they don't know God. They don't have a relationship with God. They have a relationship with the church, but they don't have a relationship with God. When you have a relationship with God, you cannot be shifted. You can't move. Am I preaching? So he's saying that, we have to have the revelation. And 
So as we are studying, there's things that come through discernment. There's things that only God can reveal to us. So Paul's praying and he's saying, I want to bring you to that place where you begin to experience this. And he goes and he says, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your understanding, the place of your emotion, your intellect, your feelings, the heart, the very, the center, the core of who you are may be enlightened or in other words may be flooded with the light of the Holy Spirit. He was saying there's a part inside your heart that needs to be flooded with light because it's, you're in darkness and when you're in darkness you can't see anything. You stumble around. And so what Paul is saying, when you're praying for wisdom and revelation, what would happen is the Holy Spirit will come and he will flood your heart with light, insight, vision, revelation. The things you didn't know before, all of a sudden you know. Things what was hidden becomes revealed. That Christ begins to reveal himself. Because sometimes, I don't know if you've ever prayed, and something feels like your prayer is just hitting four walls. It don't feel like it's going anywhere. And then there's times when you pray, and you know God has heard you. When revelation comes, and it's not just, I'm just going through the rhetorics of praying. It's that you've got to a place where illumination comes, revelation comes. I know who he is. And you know who he is because all of a sudden, I know his voice. So when he says, don't go down that road, I ain't questioning it. Because now I know his voice. My sheep knows my voice. You, I, I hear so many times, I just didn't hear the Lord. The Lord spoke, but we didn't believe. Because it depends on our relationship with him. As you, oh help me Holy Ghost. As you develop your relationship with him, your ears become sensitive to him. And that's how you know. People say, well, how do you... Because when, you, when you've been with someone for so long, and you, you've been close to the person, you, you, you hear, you know their voice. So when, when, the, when the devil turns up and comes to you like an angel of light... And, and he comes deceptively. You will know the difference between the enemy's voice and your father's voice. You will know the difference. Why? Because you've been in a place, you've been in a close relationship with him. And that's what messes up so much people. Is because they've been in church, we know church, but they don't know the voice of God. They don't know the voice of God. Your, your ears are not tuned to him. So if, if you're in that position where you're saying, you know what, I know church, I've been in church, but I need to hear his voice. This is what the scripture is saying. You gotta, you gotta, you're praying the wrong prayers. We're praying for material things, and we ain't praying for spiritual things. And so Paul is saying, let me shift. Let's pray over, over you having the spirit of wisdom and, and revelation so that illumination will come, revelation will come, where you hear God's voice, where you know his ways, and therefore you can follow his ways. Someone say, amen. amen. So he's saying, I pray that the eyes of your heart, 
the very center and core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will flood your heart. The Holy Spirit will flood your heart so that the light switches on, that revelation comes, that insight will come, that you know God. You know God. You know his voice. You know when his presence, uh, you know, I, I go to some, some sometimes, um, me and Charles, we go to prophetic conferences. And sometimes in these prophetic conferences, they, they stretch us prophetically. So they will say, for example, an angel is standing in the room. Where about is the angel? The angel's in the room, but where is he? Because you can't see him with your natural eyes. So you have to go into the realms of the spirit. Jesus is standing in the room. Where is Jesus? You see, you see what I'm saying? Where you, you now have to depend on your spiritual senses. Because this is what the scripture is saying. That you get to a place where your spiritual senses is flooded. Your spiritual senses is so alert. That when, when Jesus is in the room, you know. We do that in worship. We just know, we know the difference when we're singing, and, and, you know, as worship leaders. I know the difference when we worship and when, we, when the Spirit of the Lord has just walked into the room. I, I, as a worship leader, one of the things I used to do is worship. As I'm worshiping, I can see the Holy Spirit walking in. And I'm having a conversation with the Holy Spirit while I'm worshiping. And he would tell me what to do. It would be time the Holy Spirit says, stop, there I stop singing, Watch. Look over there on the left-hand side, I'm about to move her. And I can watch like a, cl a glory cloud. And sometimes, especially when we used to be in a place where we didn't have carpet, it was, it was in the school hall. And I was scared that if people dropped, they're going to conk their head and it would be problems in the church. So sometimes I'll be there and I'm trying to say to the ushers, quickly go over, to the, go over that side because I don't want anyone to hurt themselves. And you can see it because you're having conversation. I'm having conversation with the Holy Spirit. I don't wait for to come to church to converse with the Holy Spirit. That's not a relationship. It's all the time. It's all the time conversing with the Holy Spirit, hearing the Holy Spirit, talking to us, speaking to us. It's all the time. So here he's saying, he says, um, so that you may, it's flooded with the, the light of the Holy Spirit, so that you would know and cherish the hope. This is in the verse 18 in the, um, I'm reading from the, I think it's amplified. So that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you. The, the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints. So he's saying, I'm praying that the eyes will be, will be opened. I'm praying, he's saying, I'm praying for more. I want more for you. I want more for you. I'm praying that you will have a deeper intimacy with God. I'm praying that you will have a deeper understanding of what God has done and what he is doing and what he will do. That you begin to understand him and you get to know him. So he's praying for the heart to engage, that our hearts will engage with God and that we walk in a, this, a place of trust and relationship with him. But he goes on to sp speak of some specific things. 
Because he's saying, once you have prayed and received the spirit of wisdom and revelation and, re- and, and, and your, the, the eyes of your understanding is open, the eyes of your heart is open, it's flooded with the Holy Spirit. It says, then you will know what the hope of your calling is or the hope of his calling. Then you begin to understand your purpose. Lord, I, I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm dropping heavy things. I have to do it this way. I'm trying to make it simple. But you have to get this revelation. What he's saying is, you need to pray and receive the spirit of wisdom. Receive the spirit of revelation. Then your heart will be flooded with light. The Holy Spirit will flood you with light. When that happens, you will begin to know what the hope of his calling is concerning your life. You begin to understand what your purpose is and the purpose of the church. You can't walk in purpose when there's no light and no revelation. You won't understand that you were saved for a reason. You weren't saved for act by accident or by coincidence. You begin to understand your divine purpose. You begin to understand that the hope, the hope means the expectation of something good. Hope, what he's saying is that God has a plan for me. He has a purpose for me. And he wants me to get into that place where I begin to understand. I got, sorry, I got knowledge of what the plan of God is for my life. Help me, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. My, un- my auntie, Auntie Mullins, she raised me and my sister, my siblings. My mum, Auntie Mullins, Uncle Mullins. The three of them and my dad when my dad was alive because he's my dad's sister. The four of them were over here in the, the 50s. They're always together. I don't know. In fact, my, my mum was telling me that when she was having labor pains and I was about to come, that my dad was working. So my uncle had to rush her to the hospital. And so when my, when my mum had me, they thought my uncle was a dad and handed, a ba- handed me over to him and he was just like, you, you know, it'd be awkward. But it was my aunt who raised me. And my aunt always used to say this to me. She always said this to me. She said, she, 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 she found it quite funny. She said, at the age of five, at the age of five, because they used to think I was quite entertaining. So they said, they said to me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm five. So I, my aunt said, I turned around and told everyone, I'm going to be a preacher. And they burst out laughing. Because it's like, out of all the things, you want to be a preacher. So they start laughing. So my, aunt, my auntie, who's just passed away on Tuesday, she said, but there I, what y'all go preach, say? You want to be a preacher? What y'all go preach, say? And she said, I turned around to them and said, I'm going to be preaching. Man shall not live by bread alone. And they were just like, at the age of five, you are telling us you're going to be a preacher. But in saying that, 
the devil also heard. So, of course, he's going to do everything he possibly can to get me off track. Throw everything, everything as a teenager, everything that he could throw, plus the kitchen sink, he's throwing it at me. Why? To divert me from the purpose of God. So that I would not know what the hope of his calling is for me. To realize that I wasn't just saved just to sit and do nothing. I have a purpose. My purpose, I'm fulfilling my purpose. This is what he's called me. This is why he saved me. He didn't save me to sit down and do nothing. So what happened is revelation comes. It's flooded me. So I realize I've got a purpose. Because that's what it does. The Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and say, come on, you ain't sitting here and do nothing. Go Bible school. Go and study. Go and sit with big man them. Sit down at the feet. I serve bishops and leaders. Go and ask them. I serve them for years and years. I ca- I'm the one who carries the bag. I'm the one who carries the Bible. I carry their Bible. And just before they preach, I put their Bible on the lectern. Why? Because there is a hope that one day, I weren't ready at five. I weren't ready at five. But one day is the hope of his calling concerning me. The hope of his calling concerning you. You need to know why you were saved. You need to know why you're saved. I was saying to Marcia in Orville that when it comes to the purpose of God, the purposes of God is never static. It was a process. And I wish Joseph was here or one of my family was here to, to testify. Because though I was called and anointed to do what I do, my first job, what I was anointed to do, in line with all the other ministers and leaders as a teenager, here was my job, Oville, is when services finish, I put out the rubbish. That's my job. Anointed. And they put me along the evangelist and all the people who was getting anointed and they said, what we want you to be is like a, st- a steward in the church. When service is finished, you put out the rubbish. Whatever needs to be done in the church, make sure it's done. That's why I have an eye. You watch me on the keyboards. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking everywhere because I had to do the sounds. I had to make sure that the preachers do not go up here and the church is not in order. That, and that's, it's still in my bones. So that's what, but that's what I was anointed to do. That was the purpose. And then church, I got promoted to driving the church van. <laughs> I wish one of my members, because some people, they think all that is belief them. They just want to step in pulpit. They just want to step in pulpit and ha- haven't served. Don't know what it is to serve. You drive the church van. And then pick up all the Lord. I wish my family was here. They would testify. I go pick up the church van in the morning. And then pick up the people. Go back to my house where all the instrument was. Pick up and load up all the instruments. Bring it to church. Set up all the instruments before the musicians arrive. Because I wasn't a good musician. So you set it up for them. Joseph was our head musician. Ask Joseph. I had to set up 
all of it. Joseph trained me how to tune the guitar so when the big boys them come, they just sat down and the guitar, the bass, and everything is set. It's the hope of his co- hope of the calling. Is is I'm 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 getting to where I need to be, but I ain't there yet. Because if I can't take care of the small things, there is no way I should be behind the pulpit. No way I should be. I had to learn how to be disciplined to make sure I do the things I was asked to do. And then they will ask me to give a testimony or to give an exhortation and to preach. But it's a hope because purpose keeps moving. But some of us want to buy, but no, we don't want to do this. I, don't you know who I am? I'm King Day, I'm King Saul. You know, I'm, I'm the king. I'm a, you know, I've been anointed. No, no. Purpose is, it keeps moving. But each time I know there's a, a hope of this calling. Each area I was in, I know God called me to do that. God called me to do the PA system. Because I don't want to hold, no one don't hold me ransom in this church. I promise you, no one holds me ransom. If, if the PA people don't turn up, I'll get the PA working. Worship team don't turn up, I'll do worship. Ben don't turn up, I'll play keyboards. I play, as I don't want to play, I can play the bass, I can play the guitar, because in the house of God, I do everything, because there's a hope of his calling. It's never static. So he's saying, look, Paul, Paul, what Paul is saying is, you might know the hope of God's calling on your life. You have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light for reason. You've been called to be holy and without blame. Go back into Ephesians chapter 1. You've been called to be holy and to stand before him without blame. You were called. He was saying, when you begin to understand the hope of your calling, you begin to understand you have been adopted. I've preached on this. You have been adopted to be sons. So when we come to worship, no one has to prompt you. You know who you is. Know who you are. You know who you is. Come on, somebody. That part of the redemptive plan, I know this is heavy preaching, but part of the redemptive plan that God has for us is for us to be conformed to the image of his son. What the father is saying, when I see Cleveland, I want to see my son, Jesus Christ. When I see Marcia, I want to see Jesus Christ through her. When I see Donna, I want to see Jesus Christ through her. You are to conform to the image of Christ. Do we look like Christ? In our character, in our behavior, do we reflect Christ? Romans 8, 29, I'm finishing here. Romans 8, 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son. The reason why you are saved is so that you can be like Christ. Because some of us are coming, we don't, under, we don't know why we are here. We come to church, we don't know why we come to church. We worship, we don't know why we worship. You are to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You are supposed to reflect Jesus Christ. 
As a husband, you reflect Jesus Christ. As a man of God, as a father, you reflect Jesus Christ. In our, in, as a business person, you reflect Jesus Christ. Someone put your hands together and give him praise. <laughs> Ephesians 4 says this. Part of us coming together, he says this. Till we all, in Ephesians 4.13, Ari, if you can put that up. I'm coming to an end. I'm coming down, so I can, I'm almost there. Because this is important. It says this. Till we all come, the purpose of the church, us coming together, why we preach, why we sing, why we have prayer, why we do all these things, it says, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure and statue of the fullness of Christ. In other words, the Father was saying, I want you to do everything what you're doing in terms of your lifestyle. It needs to match up with Christ. This you will begin to understand when people who call themselves Christian, but their lifestyle is contrary to the word, you don't get taken in. You don't get taken in by no fancy word. When their life does not match up with holiness. I said when their lifestyle does not match up with righteousness and holiness. Without holiness, no man can see God. I don't care how eloquent you are. Your lifestyle needs to speak that it reflects God and reflects his son, Jesus Christ. And we come to a place where we might know the riches of the glory of God's inheritance to us. In other words, what he was saying is, as Gentiles, you, you now have access to all the blessings. Everything that was, was, was taken away from you, that you didn't have access. What he's saying is, now, through the blood of Jesus Christ, you now have access to all the blessings. So you and I are not poor, because through his death, we have inherited riches. You are rich in Christ Jesus. Don't walk around like beggars. Don't talk like a beggar. You're rich. Someone say rich. And then I'll finish with this. He says... And he's, 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 he's ending all of this now. And he's saying, I'm doing all of this. And he's praying. And his prayer is this. Is that the church would understand the mighty power of God that's working within us. He's saying, the church, when, you, when you're flooded with understanding and flooded with revelation, you begin to understand that the power of God which is immeasurable. It's immeasurable. He's saying, that power I've given to the church. Lord, you are seated next to someone who's powerful. God, help us. You know, Lord, if, if we understood the context of this scripture, once... God has spoken once. 
twice I've heard this that power belongs to God and when he ascended in Matthew 28 18 when he ascended to be seated at the right hand of the Father Jesus said all power all authority is given to me in heaven and in the earth and then he delegated this authority to the church and says go he therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then he promised the believers that these signs will follow you if you believe. He says, in my name, they will cast out demons. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name, they will take up serpents. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's in his name. And he's saying, this power, in Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in words or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are seated along people with power. But the devil has blinded some of us. Because we think only power comes from pulpit. He said, when you get the revelation, you will understand that the power of God is in you. It's not an inferior power, but the same power that raised Christ from the dead, you have it. You have it. Please don't tell yourself that you're weak. Please don't, don't feel that you're a second-class citizen. Don't let the devil deceive you and lie to you anymore. The power of God is in you. And is immeasurable. You can't measure. That's why we say, now I want to hear him. Who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. Above all that we ask or think. According to the power someone shout power according to the power that works in us the power that works in us now unto him who's able to do he is able he is a did we not just sing that song he is able and when we were singing it we should have been more happier we should have been more happier because he's able he's able he's able he's able there is a power that's at work within you and sometimes we just have to open our mouth and speak it's not based upon how you feel if a policeman, if you were driving where it's a 30 miles an hour zone and you're doing 60, when a policeman steps out in the road and does so, you don't ask the policeman, how do you feel? Did you, have a, did you wake up? Did you have a good day today? He don't care. Once that hands come up, done. It means stop. 
You don't ask him, well, maybe you had a good day, a bad day. If you broke the law, there's authority. Power's not based upon how we feel. But the power of God is in you. May God, may the revelation of God, may the light of God, the Holy Spirit of God flood your heart, flood your eyes, so you have understanding of the hope of his calling and the inheritance of the saints and the power that is at work within your life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We say amen. Pray you're encouraged with the word of God. For more information about Restoration City Church, please visit us at www.restorationcc.org. Dot .uk